We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I think your neighbors might be rebuilding their house. They could. I'm not sure what's going on out there, but there's a lot of loud noises, so if you hear any banging, that is not us. It's, it's like loud construction they're, equipment. They're using the construction equipment that hammers into the ground, and you feel it in the house next door, which happens to be you. They're doing that, so there's a lot of thundering it's stuff going on. So if you hear through my thudding chair. in the background, that is what's going on. We aren't just randomly hitting things in the walls of the, of the <laughs> podcast studio. We're back. Happy Tuesday to you. Yeah, no kidding. We've got a great topic Tuesday that includes a question about our opinion on the three most important innovations mm-hmm. in cars or in car design yeah. i think the question is really meant just more for cars, cars in, general. in general it's not yeah, specific good, to car design but i do have one for car design good because I, I didn't have anything specific for the car design but it has some interesting car stuff that struck me so i definitely okay. look forward to talking about that all right interesting we've also got a cool car debate very short but i thought it could actually kick the door open to more conversation about mm-hmm. commuting it's from john m in northridge california yeah he wrote to yeah. us about essentially best commuter cars and he's got a car now that he likes yeah yeah but he's jonesing for a corolla i've never heard of anybody (laughs) lying in bed dreaming about a corolla i've never heard of anybody john you were the first maybe there's others but i'm just putting it out there i did see a cool corolla at sema Okay. But it's a thousand horsepower drift car. So, you know. That changes things a smidge. I I could turn my house into a drift. You could. And that would be impressive. A thousand horsepower. That'd be impressive. It'd be a lot more than a thousand horsepower, but it would be interesting. Drift a washing machine. Yes. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Anything like that. So we'll get to that. But cool Corollas. He's he's interested in Corollas for his commute. He thinks it would be better than the car he's got now. Yeah. Look forward to talking about that. Interesting. All right. So we've got a little bit of news up front that I wanted to talk about. SEMA is still on the brain. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, it overwhelms for a little it while. It really is. There's it's a few just kind of, that It creates kind there. of white noise after everything else, yeah. I mean, I've got the desire to post all the photos that I took on Instagram, but I thought, you know what? Probably not. Probably... Let's, let's, let's meter let's, them out a bit. Hold off. Let's just trickle <laughs> them out. Let's not inundate everybody with sure, yeah. another page of a monster truck wheel. Awesome, Paul. Good job. Well, when we did our last podcast, we talked about the uh, the lifted Jeep with a lifted pickup above it. And Chance actually posted yeah. that photo on Instagram, and people thought we were kidding. We were exaggerating. They saw the photo and went, no, no, you weren't kidding. <laughs> it's actually... There it is. Yeah, that's a thing. Really top-heavy, mm-hmm. but, you know, there it is. Okay, so the news mm-hmm. that I have not talked about yet is from General Motors. It's from Chevy, mm. and it's the Ecopo Camaro. It's essentially an electric motor that bolts up to the bell housing mounting and the crankshaft flange in any LS motor. So therefore, what Chevy has done is create a way for drag racers to drop in a essentially a twin electric motor mm-hmm. into a car they already have. It bolts right up to the same transmissions and the drive shaft and the other drivetrain components. And what's cool is everything's still in their original locations as a gasoline-powered, say, a couple sure. Camaro. Like the electric motor just bolts right in place of the engine. Mm-hmm. So when drag racers get a hold of this... yep. I'm just wondering where the drag racing scene is going to take off. They have done it. They've they've kicked everybody else in the teeth. Yes. I don't know that Ford has really anything like this right now, but they're dropping in electric motors in your car. It bolts up to your LS where your LS did. Agreed. And you have an electric drag racer. It has something like 800 pound-feet of torque or 700 pound-feet of torque. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a lot. Torque and horsepower are about the same. I mean... 
electric crate motors are coming. We talked yes. about the Elephant yes, that was dropped, did. the mm-hmm. 426 cubic inch, 7 liters yes. of 1,000 horsepower thunder. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then here is GM dropping this. I'm astounded by this. Well, here's the thing, though. I, I think it's interesting that it's kind of being billed right now as make yourself a drag car by doing an engine swap to electric. I think this is the first of an industry-wide thing. And I say that because there's going to be all kinds of cars on the road as everything slowly. And, and keep in mind, I want to sidestep for a second. Keep in mind that right now, as we record this podcast at the end of 2018, roughly 2% of cars on the road are electric. <laughs> they may take 98% of the discussion point, but it's roughly 2% of cars. But there will be a shifting in the culture of cars and in cars on the road, especially if, as cities enact things about uh, – benefits for driving an electric car and all these Mm -hmm, kind of things. mm -hmm. There may be a reality where people want to retrofit their older car into an electric car with uh, autonomous driving capabilities. This is the beginning of that as far as I'm concerned. I can see a lot of companies creating electric motors that bolt straight into your Volkswagen, for example, has been doing the MQB chassis to everything forever. If somebody makes an engine that bolts into that chassis, the entire Volkswagen lineup is opened up to them. This is going to be something that exists across the board. Yeah. I mean, it's already being done. You probably saw, well, maybe you didn't see. It was Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't see the wedding, but I know the car you're talking about. May or something of 2018. And the car that they drove away from Windsor Castle in was mm-hmm. the Jaguar E-Type Zero. Yep. It is the electric drivetrain from the I-Pace bolted into the E-Type, any yeah, E-Type, yeah. and it's non-destructive. So you're not cutting and you know, destroying the car, and yeah. well, now it's converted. You can convert back to the gasoline engine if you want, mm-hmm. and it's also balanced in such a way to retain the original driving characteristics from the rear, the weight distribution, all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, well, shoot, are, are we going to start resurrecting old designs or classic designs, yeah. and things will bolt right in? I, I think, here's I, the thing, I don't... I'm amazed. I mean, now for drag racers, and when the yeah. drag racers That's get a hold of something... Yeah. It's going to blow up. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully not blow up. (laughs) They don't want it to blow up, but it often does. Here's the thing. I have to admit that I'm actually not interested in this, but I think it's going to be a thing across the board. I think it is. I think it's just it needed to happen in this industry Mm -hmm. to proliferate Mm -hmm. because, of you know, we talk crate motors. Well, who's interested in the crate motors? The builders, the drag racers, the, you know, whoever it is. But I think people are going to start experimenting. I think it just pushes the car industry forward even more than waiting for a manufacturer to build us a new electric car that has a good range, it's affordable, and blah. Well, you're going to have the people that if I had a car, people that use their car more like an appliance, but they wish it was electric. That'll be the yeah. These will be the people that, well, instead of buying a brand new car, I, I like my Camry. My Camry's been great for me for the past five years. What do you mean I can make it electric and I can all the incentives and I can drive in the HOV lane and all of this kind of stuff? There's going to be a market for that for sure. So it's funny how it starts the big reveal here is the drag racers, but yet I can see all kinds of applications for everybody but the drag racers. Sure. And, you know, it's going to push forward, you know, the MIT engineering students. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is actually with General Motors. It's con- in conjunction with the Seattle, Bothell high school automotive technology program so imagine multiple programs around the country around the world starting to experiment with these things that are now available that they were having to kind of cobble together you can buy this off the shelf now or it's it's at least going in that direction it's a large shelf but yes it's a big shelf but yeah it's each well okay so i was a little wrong each motor has 300 pound feet of torque replaces the gas engine bolts right up to your automatic transmission yeah okay this is 
interesting. I mean, what's going to happen for future cars? I just think about, you know how we, well, not we, but people say, <laughs> wish they, you know, built them like they used to or something like that, you know, old designs. Wish they brought that yeah, design yeah. back. What if companies did, but they brought powertrains back? Mm, interesting. And you go buy know. the used, junky, whatever, and so now you have a, well, maybe a derelict electric something. I don't know. But you know, you know what I mean. Yes. You know where my brain just went? Uh-oh. A frightening place. Uh-oh. That I actually is the first part of this discussion that actually intrigues me. <laughs> okay. You buy a $500 doesn't have a motor blank. Oh, you no. You put an electric thing in it like this that bolts in and you go lemons racing and kill the field. Ooh. Ooh. The car was a shell. It was 500 bucks. The engine didn't run. But by the way, I dropped an engine, an electric motor, into the drivetrain. And now I all I do is blow through tires. But I'm fast. You're fast, but then all the people doing the slow laps with the gasoline engine cars can go longer because you've got to go back to the pits and recharge. Yes. Unless you can hot swap the battery packs. Best best of luck on ch- solving the charging problem. I did I did mm. ten really quick laps and sat in the pit the rest of the weekend. That's how that goes. As <laughs> of current were technology, awesome yeah, laps. they were great laps though. Yeah. Well, you know, better slow laps than no laps, right? <laughs> we know that. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So the other piece of news here is from a guy you've heard me mention before. His name is mm-hmm. Luke Donkervolka. Okay. Yeah. He is a Belgian designer. Mm-hmm. And he has now been named to replace Peter Schreier as the head of Hyundai Group Design. It's going from one big design talent to another, and I'm a guy that doesn't even know anything about it. I mean, as a matter of fact, Luke has bought our 9-11 film because yes. I know... He is a, he's an audience member. I, I have talked to my friends at the Hyundai Design Studio. He keeps a 9-11 in L.A. Mm-hmm. somewhere, yep. so he drives that around when he's in L.A. Yep. doing the design studio thing. And he has bought a 9-11 film because I shipped it to him yeah. two or three years ago. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. there's only one Luke that yeah. is into 9-11. There's that name be. came across your desk and you were like, yeah, that's a specific person I'm aware of. Yeah. 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 So he has designed Seat Ibiza, the Audi A2, which is really still kind of cool, I think. Yeah. Uh, he is definitely credited with the Murcialago, the mm-hmm. Lamborghini. Yeah, Murcialago. And he spent yep. time there and the Bentley Flying Spur because he spent a little bit of time at Bentley. So he's, he's had this big stuff. kind of... Yeah. long history and yeah, yeah, yeah. he is now in charge I knew it was coming hmm. he was he was in charge of the Genesis brand rebuilding the yeah, regrowth yeah, yeah. but now he is the man mm. in charge it's only getting better for Hyundai and Kia from here that's crazy isn't it and they've come out with the Stinger which is great looking and the Veloster uh, Inn I mean they're yeah. going interesting places yeah, yeah, it they're, is they're, coming. They, they are really kind of counter-programming the car market. They're looking at where everybody else is leaving and going, let's go in there. Yeah. and is really fascinating. Let's build a product for that yeah. market that yeah, nobody yeah. else really competes anymore. BMW decides they need to make the 5 Series GT for 10 people, and Hyundai <laughs> goes, you know what? There's somebody out there like a rear-wheel drive sedan. Let's build it for them. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. All right. We've got to jump to the topic Tuesday. And like I said, we've uh, been asked this question here. It's really interesting because we could go in any direction with this that we personally want to. Mm-hmm. And it works for Topic mm-hmm. Tuesday because this could change. Our opinion on it could change. Soon, yes. Hourly. Uh-huh. Yeah, probably. Yeah. After the podcast. You know what I mean? But yeah, for sure. It's just kind of what we think. And we're not going to the, well, you know, electric wipers. And in my day. <laughs> <laughs> power steering is the thing, you know. Well, but the, the question originally that came up was our opinion of the three most important innovations in the last 50 years. Now, the, the question actually says in-car design, but I have to admit I didn't chase design. I just chased in-cars for the last 50 years. And that's what I think the question is. The 60s, early 70s forward mm-hmm. okay. stuff in that era. Okay. What do we think are the most important innovations? I have four that struck me. Oh, really? I know it was okay. three, but I had four that struck me. All right. And I have to start with one. Here's the thing that I was that I was kind of surprised by when I thought of the ones that really instantly struck me. 
most of them, I would say, relate to better driver interaction with regards to safety. And I was mm. kind of surprised mm. that I, because I'm a guy that I like to drive fast and I don't think safety first. I mean, what is the, the lemons bumper sticker? Safety third. You know, there's these kind of things. But I also am a guy that I'm, I'm not reckless. So it was interesting to think about the obvious one I have to say, and the Corvette film made me think of it seat belts. Oh, it, it crosses your mind when you don't have seat belts That's to use. That's the key thing. That's we drove that 1954. The first-gen uh, Corvette, by the way, we have 13, now 13 cars in that film. I'm so excited for you to see it. I have to finish editing it first, yeah, but there's that. Crazy. But, but 13 cars in that film, but the oldest one was a 1954. But we had three in the first generation, a, a 54, which was like six months after they started building them. A 56 and a 60 were all generation one. The 54 had zero, nada, did not have seatbelts of any kind. And <laughs> driving a car in 2018 on a modern road anywhere near traffic – where you know people are on their cell phone and you do not have a seatbelt of any kind is a really kind of terrifying moment. You feel weird. It's yes. like yes. leaving your house without your phone. You just yeah. feel weird. It's more like leaving your house without your pants. That's how weird it feels. Well, yeah. I mean, just like this really isn't okay. Why is it breezy to – oh. <laughs> yeah, although I think the giant steering wheel might trap you kind of in place because it's right in your lap. It's not trapping you in any good ways. It's going <laughs> to no. break you is what's going to happen. Yeah. No, that's so seatbelts was the top of my list. I, I hear I was on. thinking it was the air scarf by Mercedes. I, that's I was up there. entirely that, that, wrong. That really is up there. Yeah, air scarf. Uh-huh. And, or giant screens in our cars to distract us even Perfect. further. No, why, why have Come a on. tiny little phone when you can have a 17-inch screen? That's just better. <laughs> it's just better. Okay, well, I, I see that. I mean, unbelievably... It is still a thing that people don't use seatbelts. And my argument to that is if you're into cars at all and you're into racing, there's no race car drivers that don't use seatbelts. True. Zero. True. Yeah. 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 So if they're using them, I think we can all use seatbelts too. They know a thing or two. I'll go you one further on the seatbelt thing. There's a guy I know in Salt Lake. He is a father of three kids. Okay. He hates seatbelts. All right. I don't understand why. I've been to lunch with him a few times, and he drives around Salt Lake without, with his seatbelt chime going off, and he ignores it. What? And I've said to him a couple times since this has happened. I've said to him a couple times, when we go to lunch, I'm like, I need you to do me a favor. If we're going to go to lunch, you have to wear a seatbelt. And I feel like a weird father. Talk to he, he and I are the same age. Okay, the guy has gray hair and kids, okay? But I, I, suddenly I feel like a father going, you got to put a seatbelt on. But, then, oh but then, I don't remember why I bumped into this. I believe it's in China. I don't think it's Japan. I believe it's in China. There are companies that sell something that look like an enlarged key ring. It's a little disc. Imagine a flattened golf oh, ball. But on the end going. of that disc is a plug to go into your seatbelt. So you can buy these little it's decorative the flat discs. receptacle. And you put it into the place where the seatbelt clips in so the chime stops going off, but no. you don't have to use your seatbelt. I'm horrified this exists. No. Somebody is making money off of this idea to get people's chime to shut up, like my friend in Salt Lake that doesn't wear seatbelts. I, I find it inexplicable. This is horrible. It is. It's horrible. Yeah. Low-speed crashes. Your head can hit the windshield. Mm. Low-speed. Oh, yeah. Five-mile-an-hour stop, you'll hit the dash. I have a personal vendetta against this because <laughs> my cousin, actually, a quick story, okay. and it's not meant to just be a Debbie Downer here, but my cousin was killed in a car accident because he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Mm-hmm. He went out for a drive at midnight and he, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. It hits home for me personally. Mm-hmm. He was thrown out of his car because he was, he just didn't put it on. I'm just thinking he was my first cousin, David. Yeah. yeah. And I miss him and it's personal. Yeah. So we, we, we I have words we, for we, these people. We, we, I have words. 
there's a co- there's companies out there that sell these plugins. I, it just oh, it shocks me. So anyway, so I'm, yeah, I, I went straight to safety. I want to hear some from you, but I've got three others as well. All righty. Well, I think I'm keeping it modern, and okay, I'm not okay, going okay. to necessarily specific features, but more in broad generalizations, like the exploration of electric vehicles. And it okay. ties in with my yeah, yeah, Ecopo Camaro discussion. Sure, sure. But the moving towards making them affordable, essentially democratizing mm-hmm, electric cars mm-hmm. and really exploring, are these are they really going to work? Can we really involve them in our lives from everything, from just the way they drive sure, to sure. the infrastructure to get them recharged? That's the big one, yeah. Everything about them. I think gasoline engines will still exist in some form or that. other. I agree there with will that. be various models. Time. There will be various hybrids. But then there's going to be pure electric cars from mm-hmm. just about every manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And we do have Tesla to thank for that. Sure. Kickstarting the the impetus towards you know what we we need in our portfolio. Yeah. You know, CEO think kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need an electric yeah, yeah. car. We, you know, team go make an electric car. <laughs> I'm sure that's how it works. That's how the meetings are run. Exactly how meetings are run. Meetings would be a lot more efficient if they were that quick. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so just in that exploration, sure, sure, sure. they're far from perfect, mm-hmm. but they exist. Mm-hmm. And they're continually getting refined. And I, I like that exploration mm-hmm. as much as I want a manual transmission. And so much of the car experience is about sound. Because I think of the drag racers. Yeah. So much of it is about sound. It's not going to be, we. Uh, maybe, wow, that was quick. Maybe more than half of the drag racing it's experience. It's nutty, yeah. Over 50% of the experience is probably sound. Certainly is the audience member. I, think I mean, we is, talk yeah. about the sound of a big block engine and nothing else sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know if it'll catch on or not, but mm. I, I'm just intrigued by this and that yeah, yeah, yeah. pushing of the industry sure, thing. Sure. That, you know what I mean? Kind of in mm-hmm. that direction. I have another one in tech. It may surprise you, but you'll see how I, how I got there. And that is Bluetooth. When like I first that. heard about it, I was like, what is this now? But but I, I think Also about a personal days. vendetta about talking on the cell phone and holding the handset to your ear. Yes, congratulations. You're holding a ping pong paddle to your face. I can't imagine why you didn't see that guy trying to cross exactly. the street. There's that. But here's the thing, though. Even taking away the holding your phone to your face thing for a second, I think about the fact that I've been driving long enough that I remember mixtapes. I don't remember eight tracks, but I remember mixtapes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean – I've been in cars with eight tracks and laughed at them, but I remember mixtapes because that was how you got that done. And <laughs> like, of course, put my peanut butter and jelly sandwich in this thing. <laughs> hopefully, you what do have, you put in there? Hopefully, you have decent uh, radio reception, but you're stuck in, and stuck to the radio. Mm-hmm. Now we live in such an on-demand culture that the Bluetooth has made that easy. There's no adapters, there's no cords. It's just simple and easy, and the variety is shocking. And then the fact that you can take away, hopefully, take away the distraction of holding your phone. Yeah, ideally. And then you can actually have both hands on the wheel and still talk and hear people, and they can hear you. Bluetooth is a big thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, I I can definitely see that. All right, I'm also in the tech world about lightweighting software. And, of course, Mm, you know, talking about software a little bit. But generative design software specifically that will enable 3D printers to make a part that used to be folded sheet metal and flattened and all this kind of stuff. But now you can make a part that is... Hmm. 16% lighter or 20% lighter and it's 3D printed out of materials and it's just as strong or stronger in some cases Hmm. and it has kind of a different you know very different look because that software carves and hollows out those solid places so it's not a machine piece of steel or aluminum Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. something like that but lightweighting software and you you apply that to a number of different parts that you thought there's no way we're ever going to get weight out of that part whatever it is sure Sure. Actually, let's try it. And the software actually comes up with 
thousands of iterations, but mm. then you essentially you're moving sliders and changing parameters okay. to optimize it for the material that you want it to be used for and the use. So you don't want it super thin and so expensive. It's 3D printed titanium. Well, mm. that's not cost effective. So let's move the slider <laughs> back over here to, well, it's made out of lead and, you know, melted down army men and you know, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever yeah, yeah. it is. I take your point. No, we want it somewhere in the middle. We want it not soft as brass, but not, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. platinum or beryllium. We want it, <laughs> let's make it aluminum and you know what I mean? And so yeah. you're, you're optimizing it so it thickens itself and then it thins things down. You can see it live. Wow, that's crazy. Do this stuff. It's that's crazy. pretty amazing. Okay. And so applying that to cars as manufacturing, the manufacturing will continue to change. You think mm -hmm. it's not? It, I feel like we're just getting started actually mm -hmm. in, in, as far as applying you know, new production processes and 3D printing, industrial, commercial, yeah, yeah, yeah. additive manufacturing is what it's called. Okay. That's cool. I, I don't know anything about that. That's fascinating. Uh, I have another one that I thought of since the 60s. Think about this. Disc brakes. Fantastic. Disc yeah. brakes, folks. I mean, look. <laughs> I love they, that the Corvette film is influencing. I can see why. Well, I but, actually but, know but, exactly but why here's, you said But that. here's the thing, though. I mean, you could see, you could see this change, though, because mm -hmm. we started in the 50s, and by the mm -hmm. time we got to the 80s, 90s, the amount of technology that gone into cars in that area, and I have one more coming up that relates as well. But think about the fact that, you know, Jaguar was putting disc brakes in in the 50s. But most of the rest of the industry Which really wasn't incredible. getting there until the late 60s, early 70s, by the time you really got disc brakes. And when you get into a mod and this is kind of like the seatbelts thing. If you get into a car that doesn't have disc brakes, you were shocked by the difference in stopping power. Hmm. Hmm. So I, disc brakes is a huge shift. I mean, the old E-types had them inboard, which, of course, is a nightmare to change, but it's so cool weight-wise. Why do we not do this anymore? It's ease of, it's ease of changing. I guess so. Because they're but, inside the axles up by the diff, but isn't that cool? But, you know, carbon discs supposedly last the life of a car. Yeah, you know? a fair I mean, point. Kind I see of. Where you're going. I, see where I you're say going. that with a broad brushstroke, broad <laughs> generalization. Yeah. But, you know, with, with the technology nowadays, they were doing that in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. How right. about now, mm -hmm. and let's, you know, make discs yeah, that okay. will last okay i don't know we know it'll last not the life of the car but say 20 years yeah and we go from there so your your, your gt3 uh, 911 now has inboard carbon discs oh think about the unsprung weight Ooh. saved there that's that's crazy interesting point i see i see where you're going huh okay so for my third i, I do have a fourth but it's specifically design related and of okay, course good. you can see my tech software sure sure background influencing this but my third one here is Something from the Utah Advanced Materials and Manufacturing Initiative, mm. way back in 2016. Oh, wow. This is the, the conversion of pitch to carbon fiber. Oh. And what's been so interesting is, I don't know if you guys know this, but Utah is actually a hotspot for advanced materials manufacturing. There's more than 30 companies in Utah that manufacture or use carbon fiber composites. So mm. it's also a major producer of coal. We've yeah. got the Kennecott mine here, which produces four billion worth of material, just whatever that is, precious metals that yeah. come out of the earth. Yeah. And the conversion of coal pitch, essentially, into carbon fiber. Well, where does carbon fiber come from? It essentially comes from coal and pitch. Fascinating. And the conversion okay. of that process to bring the price per pound of carbon fiber down to like 
five or six dollars per pound instead of where it is. It's at ten or twelve, something in that range. Carbon fiber utensils. Yeah. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> I mean, revolutionizing sure, sure. car construction where yeah. more companies can involve carbon fiber in low-priced models. Mm, okay. All and right. bringing that now light weighting and then with the proliferation of powertrains and that kind of thing. So cars are actually getting lighter the more that that process can be refined. And so this is actually mm. in conjunction with a number of different universities. I think it was the University of Kentucky that has actually perfected the process huh. and refining it. But it's we're not quite there yet. But this was started. It's an initiative. It's going forward. It's okay. pretty amazing right. to explore the depths of that. I'll wow. leave it there. But imagine more carbon and carbon fiber and composites in our cars than ever before. Forget aluminum and steel. Folks, I spend an awful lot of time with my friend Paul, and every now and then he goes off on a tangent where I'm like, I have heard none of this information before in my life. This is one of those things where you and I have different internets. I I have a last one, and I am cheating. I am going with four, but I have a last one that struck me as well, and I do have to say this. Adjustable, or more specifically, magnetic shocks. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. I mean, the fact that somebody had this idea in the first place. Forget magnetic for a second. Fluid changes viscosity. Yes. Holy cow. But forget magnetic shocks for a minute and just go with the fact that so many cars now have buttons on the dash where you can change their setup. The the Yeah, what's amazing. It's down to a button. Isn't that crazy? car to do? But... But magnetic shocks, the fact you're right, the fact that they can change their personality, if you will, change how rigid they are and how they respond in milliseconds, fractions yeah. of a second, yeah. that just astounds me. And it has revolutionized. You and I talk all the time about the GM magnetic ride mm-hmm. and how great it is mm-hmm. in every car they put it in, from the Corvettes, the Chevy SS to the ATS, CTS. It's fantastic. Ferraris have it. Ferrari licensed it from GM yeah. and GM created it. What does yeah. that tell you? I mean, it has been in all kinds of things, and everybody has their version of it now. But the fact that it exists at all, somebody went, you know what we could do? And that amazes Just me, and it's the so The idea cool. alone. Agreed, think, well, agreed. Yeah. Huh. I mean, there's always adjustable coilovers, and you know, you get out and you use the wrench or the yes, of course, or coin or, yeah. or something. Yeah, but now yourself. that's but that's a manual reality. This is happening constantly and in real time. All right, uh, my last thought here is in the automotive design arena, and it has okay. to do with virtual reality. Okay. And at this point, everybody's seen it. I hope everybody has experienced it in some form, but I think it's kind of in the category now of cool. Uh, why? What What am I going to use that in my life for? It's Gamers hard. certainly do. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not like curved TVs and we had to go through that phase and now we're past the curved TV thing. <laughs> Back to normal. Well, it, it, it runs the risk of being like 3D, which is a really cool idea that keeps popping up every decade. Like, we're trying it again and it's cool this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep going. All right. So this is actually collaborative VR mm. and real-time ray tracing in yeah. car design. Yeah. So you take your actual physical mathematical data and you can visualize it in virtual reality so you have enough computing mm-hmm. horsepower, GPU horsepower to do this. And now, not only can you see it, but you could be in Singapore, I'm in LA, somebody else is yeah. in London, and yeah. the three of us can see each other and we can actually have a design session. That astounds me. You've shown me like setups of this before and it astonishes me that you can real time walk around something that doesn't exist and exists just in data and you're in three different places on the globe yeah yeah and so you can hear each other you can talk to each other so you have spatial proximity Mm. so if you Mm. teleport 30 feet away then you know your voice gets fainter because you're actually off my right ear 30 feet away wow versus standing right next to me Yeah, yeah yeah and now you can actually look and evaluate cars before production you can't 
quite yet do the design and make the changes on the fly. Okay. But okay. just to have the design review and do that collaboratively. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. of course, you know, adding horsepower, compute horsepower to that, you've got the real-time ray tracing. So you're actually seeing physical reflections of your wow. room. Doing that has revolutionized the design process of cars. It's made it faster. It's made decision-making easier. I sound like I still work for a company, which I don't, Yeah, but, I, well, but I'm enthusiastic about the design process that results in the things that we love. Look, I'm going to go geeky for a second, and I know this will not make any sense to you, but there's a segment of our audience that this will be like. This is like step one of the Star Trek holodeck. It is. As a matter of fact, NVIDIA came up with that name for their version of okay. it. So, they I mean, call it the holodeck. That's, that's what we're talking about. It's like, it's like step one. That's how it's I know like, the word holodeck is from NVIDIA, not of from course. anything else. You have else, no space idea that it's a Star Trek thing. Fine. By the way, that's a Star Trek reference, Paul. That's, that's why what? NVIDIA did that. Yeah, okay. exactly. But it is. It's like step one of the <laughs> holodeck clock concept. me over the head. It's hysterical. All right. So, yeah, I, I love the question. By the way, the question f- was from Rowan C. Rowan, thank you so much for asking. Yeah, I definitely. failed to call you out until now. Thank you very much for asking the question. If you've got a topic Tuesday, we're very interested in hearing. And for sure. You've said it's got to be along the lines of not a bar fight, but a bar discussion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like things could change. Opinions could change. It's just. We're not solving problems here. No, we're, we're just not. We're just riffing and having a discussion about it, which is great. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get to the debate in just a little bit. But yeah, Topic Tuesday is kind of becoming a thing. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll definitely continue the live debates as well. Yeah, we really like it. All right. So we'll take a quick break, guys. We'll be right back. I'm here to talk about Amsoil. Why Amsoil? Because they're a bunch of car people. They're gearheads. They're into all kinds of power sports. They just get cars and vehicles. The Amsoil folks have created a guide to increasing horsepower in your vehicle. It's got insider tips from some of the best in the business on coaxing a lot more power out of your engine. Get a free copy of this horsepower guide at amsoil.com driver. When you're there, you can find out more about Amsoil synthetic motor oil, too. You know, like how Amsoil Signature Series Synthetic Motor Oil delivers 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss and wear than required by a leading industry standard. Go to amsoil.com slash driver now to get your free insider's guide to increasing horsepower. Think of all the weird things found in cars. I'm not talking about your garden variety, petrified french fries, or melted crayons. I'm talking about live snakes or bizarre trinkets. You know, the kind of stuff that just makes you wonder about Another thing that will make you wonder, but in a good way, are Continental Belts. They're actually original equipment on tens of millions of vehicles. We're talking FCA, Ford, GM, even BMW and Volkswagen use Continental Belts. Now, Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series. These belts are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function. They have belts for almost 98% of vehicles on the road today in the U.S. and Canada. There's enough surprises when you're working on a car. A belt shouldn't be one of them. Go with the Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V Belt, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, visit oetechnologyseries.com. All right, this is a 30-second commercial, and I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you. But please, stay with me. In just 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This company's been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years. And anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. The company, you guessed it, is GEICO. Go to GEICO.com today. GEICO presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. 
You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. We're back with a car debate for John writing to us from Northridge, California. He's a commuter. He currently has an A4 all-road, and he's dreaming of a Corolla. <laughs> like I said, John, nobody's ever written to us saying I've, I'm dreaming of Corollas. By the way, the Ambien has kicked in just before he wrote this email. Yeah. I, I have to say, honestly, that he says that in his first sentence. Hey, I, I started this email right after I, I took an Ambien. And I'm really thinking your email is surprisingly normal, <laughs> except for the fact you're dreaming of Corollas, except which maybe that, that was, that was influenced as well. But it's surprisingly normal. But, but let's, let's be more specific. Hang on. I, I should stop here real quick okay. to help John out. All of you, <laughs> all of you that are listening to the podcast, this is not what you think of for Corolla. This is the new, latest and greatest, crazy design hatchback. The, the top spec of that is the XSE, mm-hmm. and it is the one you've seen in that crazy matte, almost looks like a 911-style blue. It's actually a cool-looking car. Yeah, and then sure. you find no, no. I, I think I'm struggling I think, to agree. I think take the badges off of it and mm-hmm. drop it out of the sky. If, if it was a new Mazda three, we'd be like, what is this now? Okay. okay. The fact okay. that it's a Toyota Corolla, we go, wait, that's a Corolla? Right but away. this what? is what he's dreaming about. And and the car has two two things about it. In an attempt, I, I put that in quotes, an attempt to be an enthusiast car. It comes with a six-speed manual with a Toyota Rev Match system that apparently you can turn on and off, which is a stroke of genius. Hmm. Also, it has a CVT. <clears throat> yes, of course it has a CVT, which is horrible. But the CVT tries to do the Subaru thing where you can pick gears. So there is somebody, somebody somewhere in this process was an enthusiast and said, you know what we should do? But we're left with John, who's dreaming of buying this Corolla to replace his A4. And he's writing us and essentially saying, am I crazy? Now, my response is, you are on Ambien. So maybe that's the problem. But let's, let's unpack this a bit. All right. Since we're on tangents, really quick, okay. I will say cool Corollas do exist Yeah, in the form yeah. of Frederick Asbo's drift car. And it was actually at SEMA. Mm -hmm. It was repainted. Mm -hmm. But he has built by Stephen Papadakis and his entire crew a 1,000-horsepower rear-wheel drive drift Corolla. And I also will acknowledge the drift history that Corollas have. They used to be rear-wheel drive and and awesome. Yeah. How actually kind of cool they were. For sure. For sure. All the Mustang and the Nissan 240SX category. And like, okay, these are actually cool cars. and. Then they became so watered down and such a numbing driving experience. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I tease them all the time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. cool Corollas do exist, mm-hmm. mostly in the form of the, the drift crews. Yeah, and for sure, for sure. Frederick's yeah. drift car here. So if you want to look that up, it's insane. A thousand horsepower dropped yeah. into a Corolla. Yeah, that's, that's kidding both me? good and bad all at once. All right. So we're not talking about that kind of car. We aren't. We're talking John. about a little tiny hatchback. We are because he's he's really kind of thinking, do I trade out the car that I've got now? But what's happened is he's locked himself into a lease mm-hmm. of an Audi A4 all-road. Mm-hmm. And now I, I agree with you. You might be thinking to yourself, John, what, what are you thinking here, man? Like what <laughs> You've got a cool Audi A4 all-road. Yes, yes. But you're dreaming of Corollas and not specific, well, a very specific Corolla, the XSE hatchback, as you mm-hmm. said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just any... Corolla. This actually brought to my mind a list, and I curated my little list here of okay. 
best commuter cars and what I think oh, interesting. Okay. should be. We can discuss, okay. All right. and I'm sure you'll have a few more ideas to pile on here. Well, I just I, I've and then created a list of a, what makes a good commuter car. That's good. I love that approach. I didn't do that. I mean, his his question here is he's going. I have this A4 all road, but I live in LA, and of course, it's all commute all the time. Mm-hmm. What yes. I prefer this Corolla is kind of part of his question. Plus, he's just obsessed with it. So I created a, my thoughts on this Corolla in general. Now I will I will admit right now. We have not driven this yet. We have not. Okay. Have not. I'm, I'm also really say, working on my open-mindedness over here to go drive it. Yes, that's I one of the reasons we haven't driven it, it yet because I keep going, you know, we should drive, Paul. He's like, yeah, we're not doing that. So <laughs> yeah, there is that discussion. I'm working on it. But, but I will say this. We have not driven it yet, but there's a lot of interesting information out about this car. And I have to say that enthusiasts at large, myself included, are kind of like, let's go drive the new Corolla, which is a weird sentence. And I have to say that Along underneath... Let's go to the Mitsubishi dealership. Exactly. Nobody says They're this. very similar. <laughs> but underneath this crazy skin and an attempt to put a manual transmission rev match in this car, the news isn't great after that. Okay. All right. So I want to talk about this Corolla. I want to talk about some other options for John this to drive. non-surprise on this end of the table. I know. You're here. not this shocked is... at all. Yeah. This is the lack of surprise over here. But yes. keep going. I'm curious. Well, well, here's the big thing I want to say about this car. This is a small hatchback. Yeah. Okay. It's it's roughly it's somewhere between if you want to think about it this way it's somewhere similar to the size of the Focus the Ford Focus it's mm-hmm, it might mm-hmm. be a little smaller but it's in that range it's competing with the Focus and the Golf and the, these guys and as things go a, way, a great way to start the recipe is small car small yes, hatchback absolutely. that's a great starting which place. is going to be more interesting and more chuckable than that Audi A4 All Road mm-hmm. however mm-hmm. okay this is my big thing this is a three thousand pound car. Is it really? It's a 3,000-pound I didn't realize that. And it has about 180 horsepower and about 150 pound-feet of torque. Hmm. This top-spec version does not come in a turbo. There's not a little turbo. It's a naturally aspirated six-speed manual, which that sounds like good news, but we're front-wheel drive and 3,000 pounds. Okay. So my problem we is... We never say you can drive a spec sheet, but we can estimate. We, yeah, we, it, it, starts to, it starts to lead you down the road, for sure. It, it, it starts to create, let's put it this way, spec sheets can create red flags. That's the issue. They can. That's a you great can, Where point. you can start to yeah. go, yeah. that may be something to overcome. Okay. Okay. And on my drive list, I want to lay it right alongside this Corolla for you, John. Now, the Corolla is stupid cheap. Load it out, it'll be twenty five I mean, grand. That's... Okay. Twenty-five grand is roughly roughly the starting place of the new Hyundai Veloster N. One of those loaded out is about thirty thirty-one, which I've gone. Mm. I will admit five, six, maybe seven grand more expensive than the Corolla. I will admit that. But here's why I bring it up: another car we haven't driven, and I'm only talking spec sheets, but I don't like to do. But follow me anyway. Hyundai Veloster N, also three thousand pounds. Yeah. Also roughly the same size. Also kind of crazy styling. It isn't cool in a color. However, okay, okay. however, designed to be an enthusiast car from the from the jump. Yeah, yeah. It has a hundred more horsepower and a hundred more torque at three thousand pounds. Now, tell me, just I don't love specs, but just off the specs, which one of those is going to be more satisfying to put your foot in? I think we can all agree it's going to be the Hyundai. That's a great point. Okay. I mean, the, mostly his time is spent commuting, mm-hmm. but then what about the other times? But he's he's. He's lusting after this car, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. I want you to drive it and like it, so please go drive this Corolla. I will admit to you, John, right away, I want to drive this Corolla, but I am I'm I'm going working in, on it. I know you are. I am going in cautious because of that weight-to-power ratio. At any point, 
Toyota could drop an enthusiast version of that Corolla, a real enthusiast version, to compete and replace where Mazda Speed left the market. Mm -hmm. And Toyota has the marketing muscle, the ability, the engineering, on and on and on. Mm -hmm. They have the ability to Mm -hmm. erase the badness of anything associated with Corollas and now replace it with, you know what? Corolla's back. Corolla is cool now. They, Mm -hmm. you know, like the... 86, you know, the old drift cars. You sure, know, they're, sure, sure, yeah. You know, associating with coolness yeah, yeah. and fun to drive and all that kind of stuff, just like you said, the Hyundai Veloster N has mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. They have an opportunity to, to do this. Mm-hmm. I do not see any of those opportunities identified and addressed by Toyota <laughs> at this juncture. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm not seeing it coming because of the nature of the car. But I, I'm... If this is the car that you want, and I speak not just to you, John, but to anybody, if mm-hmm. that's the car you want, we're not going to hold you back for but the I, most part. But I think he's driving it from a distance and lusting after. This is, I think, this, right now, I this think is a poster to, on the wall car. You have to drive you this. You need to go drive this car. I'm going to give you other things to drive as well, as will Paul. I, I've got this list here, and I'm going to start with the things that you want to look for in your commute car. Okay, great. First of all, they don't include Ambien. Things that don't put you to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, please don't do that. Yeah, Seats. The car that has the best seats that fit your body that you mm-hmm. like and you mm-hmm. can imagine. Yeah. I can spend a lot of time here. Absolutely. The best place for your phone that's unobtrusive and secure and you're not going to look oh, at yeah. it all the that's time. That's good. That's excellent. Car manufacturers are addressing phone locations more now. Mm-hmm. They're doing mm-hmm. a better job. Some better than others. But for sure. For sure. If it's just laying there and it's skittering around your dash or your seat next to you or you've got one of those gooseneck suction cup thingies. That, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I've tried all those. Yeah. The least annoying shapes and materials in the interior. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of, you know, we arranged all the Ginsu knives in this look, and that's our new theme. Well, could we just back off and stop sketching? And The Corolla has a very simple interior. And a kind of a nice size mm-hmm. screen. I have to give it that. Yep. And then I think lastly is anything you don't hate yourself for when you arrive at your destination, <laughs> get out. I mean. <laughs> yeah. That's that's really the lowest bar our podcast could strive for is we want you to get out of your car and not hate yourself. That really is the floor of what we're going for here on the Everyday Driver Car maybe, Debate. Everything's above that. Maybe it's the commute that makes you want to get out and slam your door in frustration, but then you don't because you realize even that will hurt. You'll spend a week with your chiropractor. Thanks to you guys, I no longer got out of my car and hate myself. That really, I'm not sure we've succeeded there, but it is something to strive for, yeah. You've moved up a notch. You're up to notch one. No, I, I you're spending intimate, long periods with your car. Agreed, agreed. Yep. You've got to come away liking it, mm-hmm. if not loving it. Mm-hmm. That's what we're here to do. So my list here for you, John, in addition to the XSE Corolla, Okay, good. what about the Chevy Bolt and the Chevy Volt? Mm-hmm. I see your price point. I'm imagining 20 to 25. That's kind of what I okay. felt as well, I'm, yeah. I'm in that yeah, category. That, that place. And used volts. Easy. Oh, for sure. You've got to go evaluate these again for seats, for, Mm -hmm. wow, I'm going to Mm -hmm. spend a lot of time staring out of this car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mazda 3 is definitely on the list. It's It feels like a luxury car at such a low cost, low price of entry. It's astounding. Mm It's really amazing, especially you get with leather, and it's for for it's dragging along in traffic. The Mazda three kind of it and the Golf are really the discussion for the hatch segment. Really, as far as like a nice place to be because we're going slow and the and the fast stuff doesn't matter. It's hard to beat those two. Three Hondas for you, John. Honda Fit, Honda CRZ, and the Civic Sport. Mm, okay, all interesting to okay. go consider. All right. 
And then we come to best seats. And the two manufacturers mm. we continually identify with great seats are BMW and Volvo. Generally, yes. So that's improving. Car manufacturers are definitely improving. Sure, sure, not, sure, yeah. You know, a, a chair and a half like you see at a furniture store anymore. <laughs> yeah. Actually a seat that fits you. So I'm going BMW 2 Series, or if you must, the X2 SUV, which I actually kind of dig. I like the proportions. <laughs> I actually like it better from a stylistic standpoint than any of the other SUVs in their lineup. Interesting. I think the X1 is a surprisingly good car to drive, but keep going. I'm I'm thinking somewhere in the BMW range at a okay. low cost. Yeah, yeah. In the 2 right. Series, you maybe go used on those guys. You're going to have to, yeah. And then if you want to throw down, the Volvo S60 is different, luxurious, mm-hmm. interesting, engaging the buttons are jewelry. The build quality is apparent. It's it's quite obvious you are yeah. touching a luxury, yeah. well-crafted item at not the German car prices and the German car maintenance scariness level. Sure, so sure. So I'm just suggesting that if you're already in the lease for the Audi A4, you might not have to add too much more money to your monthly lease payment mm-hmm. to go get the new Volvo 60. I'm talking about the 2019. Wow, okay, I like it. Beautiful, like gorgeous, it, yeah. love the styling. They're killing it. Seats, okay. my friend. I have three for you to drive other than this Corolla. And please go drive the Corolla because it may change everything. But the fact that you're thinking about stepping from this A4 all-road down to the Corolla means that the interior of the Audi is something you're willing to give up. I mean, that's a really nice place to be. It's a very nice place to be. Audi for sure, know. For sure. And I think what you're responding to here as well, besides the look of this Corolla, is you're wanting something kind of small, efficient, and chuckable. So I thought mm. along those lines. Okay. Three cars you have to drive, and many of you listening to the podcast are going to see these coming, but please go drive them. Fiesta ST, 500 Abart, and Mini Cooper S. Oh, good. They're all in your sure. budget. They all weigh under 3,000 pounds, and they all have more power than that Corolla. And I bet you, even without driving the car... All of them handle better. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. And the Fiesta yeah. ST, honestly, if you walk around a Fiesta ST skeptically, which I don't now because I love them, but if you walk around one skeptically in a weird, crazy color and you open up the doors and look at the interior, your thought is going to be the exact thought my wife had, which is, how is that a good car? <laughs> It's not great looking. Whiteboard out the process for Seriously, me to it, end it good car. I, I've had this conversation with my wife yeah. a couple times when I've seen her like, oh, this is so cool. She's like, you're kidding me. Because she generally respects my, my choice in cars. But the Fiesta ST, she cannot land there. Of course, we've never been in one together, and she's never driven one. Interesting. And here's the thing. The Mini is a great example. The Mini is a car that she got down the block the first time and went, this is fun. This is the thing about these small little uh, enthusiast hatchbacks, the Fiesta ST, mm. the 500 Abarth, mm. and the Mini Cooper. You'll get down the block, and they're fun to drive. And then they're nice enough. If you're willing to sit in traffic in a Corolla, the interior of these is going to be fine as well. Please go drive those three and that Corolla, because I think that's going to inform you a lot, John. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. John, I think as fair a statement as I can make is, Uh-oh. say Todd and I drive the new Corolla. I think we'd come away thinking, you know what? It's fine. It's actually yeah. kind of fun to shift, and it's probably fine. Mm-hmm. But there's just other choices that are so much more engaging or stir us. Maybe I'm wrong, but it we, we would come away thinking, okay, pretty good. It's all right. We're fine with it. I Wouldn't don't choose it, but it's fine. No part of me thinks that Toyota has made the new, better Fiesta ST. No part of me thinks that. No, no. That's and the thing we're talking about. So we encourage you, but again, if that's the car you want, go get one. And... Enjoy it and delight in it. But, you know, there's some other options to go drive. At least you've got driving homework. For sure. Absolutely. Right? 
All right. Well, if you've got your own debate, please write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or you can find us on the website at everydaydriver.com and write to us with your debate. Uh, hopefully, no more dreaming about Corollas. I kid, John. I'm kidding. <laughs> sort of. Please give us your budget while you're at it. That's always helpful. And try to keep it both in paragraphs. Incredibly helpful to read that versus a wall of text. And also, <laughs> and I know what happens. You, you type on your phone. You don't do paragraphs. I get it. Yeah, paragraphs sure. are helpful. Uh, less than two scrolls on a, on a laptop is helpful as well because that kind of keeps it into a normal, readable range. Uh, thank you guys for writing in as you do. Also, thanks for interacting so much with everything we do. We have a new store on the Everyday Driver uh, website. EverydayDriver.com, the store tab, is now all of our stuff. It's our TV shows. It's our movies. It's also shirts, Mm -hmm. hoodies, Mm -hmm. really cool caps. We have an exclusive cap coming soon. I'll keep you informed on that. But also the stuff we talk about, like the movies we talk about and the gear we use and all these kind of things. I actually just added on there the uh, the type of driving wheel I use when I play PS4. These kinds of stuff that gets discussed is on that page as well. So if you're curious about any of those things we've talked about, you can go to our brand new store page. We're pretty excited about that too. Speaking of Corollas, jumping over to questions here on social media. Kazi Chav on Instagram asks us, what is the laptop equivalent of a car that just runs? Oh, no. I was thinking about clever features. I mean, you you think of the Microsoft Surface or you think of, you know, some new various laptops. Most people just want a cool laptop that works. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Never design reversible anything. Reversible belts, reversible jackets, (laughs) reversible furniture. Those do not do well in the marketplace, generally speaking. They just don't. People want a thing. Those are my shoes. You don't zip them off and change the sole, and you don't, those are my shoes. (laughs) That's it. Very nice. I see it, yes. But I will say a Honda Fit, somewhere in that range. It's, wow, surprising amount of cargo, and oh, those are some clever features, and looks decent, it just runs. But what would be the computer equivalent of a Honda Fit? Oh, the computer equivalent? Oh, uh... See, this is why I, I have no idea. I'm going with... HPs, and okay. it's not right. necessarily an endorsement here, but I've I had see. a lot of experience with them, and yeah, they just yeah, yeah. seem to run pretty well. Okay. But like there it. might be some people that will throw rocks at me and say, I'm sure. They're terrible. Yeah, that's one of those fighting words things. Yeah. Uh, Mystic Negro asked on Instagram, I love this, which is sillier, <laughs> which is sillier, lifted rally safari style 911, which is the rage right now. Everybody apparently is getting one, including Matt Fair, or a lowered Raptor. Now, I'm now. curious to hear what you think. Yes, two, two thoughts. This is actually kind of touching. It kind of yeah. Both it's of interesting. Us are, yeah, are for sure, for sure. It's interesting proclivities that both of us have for sure. Here. I will say this. Look, uh, I am the guy that inexplicably wants a Raptor. I will admit that. But here's the thing: what is the Raptor good at? It's good at. I'm just going to go down that partial road. Oh look, that's a far, <laughs> oh look, that's a game trail. Let's just follow that. Sustained that's what the good air. For. Yes, absolutely. Off the cliff, sustained. I like, can see my house from here. That's hang what it's time. good at. That'd be so, a great license plate on the Raptor. For sure. So, so the minute time. you lower the Raptor, it ceases to be what it is mainly good at. Now, I you can argue. I, I understand. This is Mystic Negro. He's written it a lot of times. Uh, he's yelling at me right now and saying the same thing is true about the Safari 911. Not as much. Because the Safari 911, which, look, I will go with you for a second and say that I don't understand why right now culture is just like, oh, Safari 911. And we're all (laughs) – our Instagram feed is shifting to a Safari 911 inexplicably. I mean, I I know (laughs) – look, we follow Matt Ferry. He follows us. I get it. Sure. I I understand that he's got one, and it's cool. Okay? I I get it. I one. But at the same – and of course you do. But I also feel like three or four other random places are just like Safari 911s all of a sudden. I don't know why – and I do think in general it is silly. However, you could drive a Safari 911 frighteningly fast on tarmac. 
yeah, and then yeah. take it off-road. It can still do, not as well, I grant you, but it can still do what it was originally designed for, which is to be a sports car and a daily driven car. And then you can also hoon it in the backcountry. The lowered Raptor is good at nothing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I'll add just a tiny bit of commentary on that, and that is the Rothmans Porsche 959. Sure, from yeah. From the Paris That's to Dakar champion. Mm-hmm. They actually work, you know, built these off-road cars. They turned their street cars and their performance cars mm-hmm. into these. So there's a lineage, there's a history mm-hmm. with Porsche doing this. It's not a, wow, we, you know, Porsche never thought of that, or we never thought of doing this before. That's what they're all course, designed after, for sure. I want a Safari 928. Yes, Nobody's ever which done I would one. love to see. Would uh, love to see I it. Mean, how it. cool would that be, even with the Cayman? And they're, they've kind of done that already. But yeah. I'm just saying, it's in the lineage and history of Porsche, so it makes it less crazy to me. <laughs> You're always bringing out, on the Porsche History Book, Volume 6, <laughs> Paul Schmucker presiding. Yes, anyway, yes. <laughs> Pretty much. How about uh, Daniel writing in on Facebook? This is becoming pretty timely. Any trips? Pardon me. Any tips for new drivers driving in the snow? Oh, good one. Uh, first, I'm going to say tires. Then I'm going to say tires. After that, I'm going to say tires. Winter tires is the key thing. But beyond that, I'm assuming you already get that message. In case you haven't heard me already, the big thing I'm going to say is no sudden moves. You can mm. do just about, especially with, with winter tires, you can do anything you want. A lot of neutral behavior with your car. Not just a lot of gas, a lot of brakes. Just neutral no sudden behavior. moves. Mm-hmm. Think about just keeping everything very consistent and very flowing. I realize you may get into an extreme situation. In an extreme situation, you may do an extreme move to the car. That's just how we react. I get it. But in general, you're leaving lead time for braking. You're not flooring the gas all of a sudden. Everything is a nice, easy movement. Mm. And that honestly gets you through probably 90 to 95% of any situation in the snow. Just taking it easy, anticipating, and making a move that is slow. Hmm. It's a good question over here from Dalton Chassie, Chasey on Instagram as well, asking for an ideal first enthusiast car in your 20s, hmm. under okay. 15 grand, right. used. And the giveaway here is Central Kentucky. And he's asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, of course he is. Yeah. But I'm saying C4 Corvette. They're inexpensive. Well, yeah, sure. And it's an enthusiast car. It's mm-hmm. surprising. There's good power. They mm-hmm. run. Easy to work on. On and on and on. Under 15, I'm going to He didn't specify rear-wheel drive, did he? Not necessarily. Under 15, I'm going to specify. I'm going to say uh, Fiesta ST, watch what your insurance costs are. They might be exorbitant. Yeah, always. 86 also might be an insurance problem, but they're out there as well. And uh, 350Z, they've been around long enough. Insurance on that and the car itself will be cheap. Mm. There's a question from Vladimir S. on Facebook asking, what's up with people getting rid of their sports cars because they're getting Model 3s? Yeah, He's yeah. seen multiple posts mentioning getting a Model 3 is the reason for selling while he's browsing the Cayman and Boxster and Elise. Yes, you're browsing As that everybody world, yeah. is browsing, right? Yeah. He says Model 3 doesn't seem like a replacement for these, and you're right. It is not a replacement. Mm-hmm. We've seen the same thing, as a matter of fact. Yeah. The owner of the Tesla Model 3 that we drove is a race car driver. He's a Porsche enthusiast. Mm-hmm. He's had a near lookalike GT3 that was in our film. And he's also had, well, has a 996 Turbo mm-hmm. with a lot of power. Yeah. And he still gravitates towards the Model 3. And I think it's newness. It's the future tech. It's things nobody has. Mm-hmm. It's the early adopter kind of model. And it's that instant thrust of the torque. Mm-hmm. It's that instant electric motor feeling. Yeah. And... Sports car people, they like that instant off the line. You like that instant power kind of thing. And electric cars are doing that. Now, why is it Model 3s? I don't have an answer because I'm not coming away that 
thoroughly impressed with them. I mean, yeah. they're cool yeah. and they're amazing and they do work. Mm-hmm. But I would I would change some things about them. Yeah, but I also think that it's it's the closest that exists right now to the average person's sports car that's also electric. It's not a sports car. And a lot of people have equated, we talked about this on the podcast before, a lot of people have equated the handling of the Model 3 with the Cayman. It's not that good. But as I've said before, I think if you drive a car where you don't feel the weight over the front wheels, if you're an automotive journalist, mm-hmm. you don't feel the weight mm-hmm. over the front wheels, and the, the, the center gravity is pretty low, and it's rear-wheel drive, and you try to equate, what is this handle like? What is this handle like? The closest analog I think most people have is, oh, it handles like a Cayman. No, it does not. Mm, right. But right. I can see the breadcrumbs that got you to think this is the same. Interesting. Sure. Okay. Sure. It is. It, it handles well, and it's interesting as a midsize. And watch our uh, Model 3 versus uh, Bolt piece. It's now available on Amazon Prime, okay? Yeah, Watch agreed. that piece because we talk about this at length. I also think the first time somebody experiences an electric car that they are driving, they just kind of fall in love. And it happens to a lot of people to be a Tesla product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think if you sat in a, a Bolt for the first time and floored the accelerator, you'd be like, this car's really cool. Much more so than you would have ever thought because that electric surge doesn't feel like anything else. Mm-hmm. A couple of questions here. KCC asked us, what is our idea of a perfect camera car? Hmm. We've identified this already. It's a Tesla Model S because of the (laughs) backward-facing seats. Yes. And it's silent, so you can hear the exhaust of the car being filmed. Yes. Yes. And the hatch opens so tall. It's yeah, great. I can we've, see it. Yeah, I can strap myself into that. Not designed for people over 70 pounds. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I'm strapping myself you in anyway. That's funny. Belt, belt in, and then you spray it with Rhino Liner all over the outside of the car. So it's just matte. <laughs> I just like to do that black. so people can see it. That's funny. I like it. <laughs> it just it doesn't show up. Speaking of cars, uh, Ku and D on Instagram wrote in, if, you could, if, you had, if we had to use, you and I, Paul, had to use our current sports cars for zombie apocalypse vehicles, what would we do to them? Mm. Which made me think, where's the Rally uh, Lotus Elise? Oh, good. Jack that thing up six inches and put some knobby <laughs> tires on it. I, don't get me wrong. We need some power I'm not that planning car. to do this, <laughs> and I think that's kind of terrible. But there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I'd drive that. Imagine, look, you know the Aerial Nomad? Uh-huh. Imagine oh, yeah. that yeah. idea, yeah. but it's a Lotus Elise. Some rally lights mm. on the hood. It's got the big aerial nomad major suspension. Just it can go anywhere. Baja but suspension it's travel. Tiny and yeah. it doesn't weigh much. And I think because it's me, I'd probably have to mount guns somehow. I'm not sure how to do that yet because it's a tiny car. But that would happen as well. Oh, I like that. Question from Olin R on Facebook asking about all that crash safety and pedestrian impact laws in place. By the way, they are software to calculate where a pedestrian's mm-hmm. head will hit the hood when you strike them with the car. There's software that exists, Olin. There's a fun algorithm to write, yeah. Yeah. All right, so are we forever relegated to front-end styling that just consists of the updated plastic grill and the new headlight designs, or what is going to be innovating in this area? Mm. For just the Mm. stylistic updates, we're not going to see much because it's very expensive to change anything around the A-pillar because that's where all the electronics are. That's Mm -hmm. where the crash structure is. Yes, yes, Think about this, Olin. That has to be crash-tested Every time you make a change to the structure of that entire A-pillar where the HVAC system is, the controls, it's where, generally speaking, the engine meets the passenger compartment, Mm -hmm. that is a very, very expensive area on a car to change. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's always just a reskinning over the top. And how can we, you know, pull more Mm -hmm. passion out of it? The Camaro's trying with all those... You know, the Ginsu knives pointed in all the different directions <laughs> yeah. on the front of the new Camaro. Why did, why did we cut it up like that? And yeah. the structure underneath is the same. Mm-hmm. 
But designers are tasked with this because a lot of our car buying is based on emotion and, mm-hmm. and look and ah, I don't like that as well and I like the new model or you know what, I like the old one better. That kind of thing. It's it's because of all that engineering underneath the car. Mm-hmm. It has to be federally crash tested yeah. every yeah. time you make a change. So it's rough. And the thing I'm hoping for that I kind of hate, and you can see it on the new Accord, you can see it on the Camrys, you can see it on the Camaros. Notice how all these cars have essentially become brick front ends. Mm-hmm. Big flat mm-hmm. front and then a big wide tall hood because they've got crumple zone underneath the hood mm-hmm. for when that body hits the hood. I mean, it's a horrible thing to think about, but I can't believe we're designing cars this way. It has to have a certain amount of clearance before it hits an engine block underneath. I hope this is like when you first saw airbags. When you first saw airbags in cars, okay. it was the new regulation. The steering wheels now have this huge bulbous thing in the middle, and the passenger side had this big lump right in front of them. And over time, they figured out how right. to make them more efficient. And now steering wheels have gotten back to normal size, and there's no weird lump on the passenger side. Right. I right. hope that design can figure out how to solve this pedestrian crash crumple zone problem and still give us svelte drop-it front ends. As a matter of fact, there is a Volvo model available in Europe. It might be out of production now, but I think it was a V60 that had a pedestrian airbag that shot out of the cowl. (laughs) Here's an idea. Stay out of the street. (laughs) Instead of shooting airbags in every direction. Stay out of the street. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Sean asked a question on Facebook that was, what type of forced induction do we prefer, turbo or supercharger? And I'm going to say... Always for me, it doesn't. I realize it's not on every car out there, but always for me, it's supercharger. I knew it was. It feels more like a naturally aspirated car just cranked up. The turbo, and, and again, I went from a supercharged car in the Mini to a turbo car in the Lancer. Okay, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and, and the Lancer feels great. I'm not going to deny it. But at the same yeah, time, I just yeah. I like. Think about the Lotus is supercharged. Right. The right. Hellcat is supercharged. The Z06 is supercharged. The Mini was supercharged. I like that style. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm all about the small displacement with the turbos. Yeah, I've I know you really are. come to yeah. love turbos. You and I split I on this I love supercharging. I do appreciate it. It is cool, right? Yeah. I love the turbo part because of the less drag on the engine. I supercharging taking a whole lot more power, mm-hmm. essentially, to run the crank. So I'm, I'm into the turbocharging thing. And to be honest, the <clears throat> not trying to spoil anything, but the, the Cayman kind of, Push me right over the edge. The we have. I will post a picture of this tomorrow <clears throat> after this podcast goes live. Oof. I have a picture of the timeline. I have actually. I'm. I'm in the process of working toward delivery on episode two of season four. And episode two is that finally we did it. The generations of the Cayman piece. It's coming. Which is really cool. It's coming. Picture locked today. I'm headed toward delivery on it, which is fun. That's a really fun piece. But I just I love the way a supercharger is kind of like a naturally aspirated engine as far as the way it responds. Yeah. No kidding. Last question for me from Ariopolis, asking if Everyday Driver could take over a car company, which one would it be, and what would we make it do to align with the Everyday Driver mission? Whoa. The thought of Ford has crossed my mind, but okay. I pulled back from it because they're stopping the, the really the production cars over time here. But you and I identified at every price point, there's an enthusiast car for everybody. Doesn't matter how much money you have. You're right. You're right. And we've talked about this before, and I thought, well, you know, they've got the... Very much Ford Performance, Ford Racing, but I might have to temper that and go with Hyundai because of the end performance for everything. Okay, all right. And and one of those two, because they're accessible, yet they can still build something hot and crazy mm. out here. Okay, I like that. One like of those that. two. I'm pondering TVR. I don't know why, but I'm just thinking <laughs> TVR. It's always been a crazy enthusiast brand. Let's embrace that. 
Interesting. But let's make Remake it, it. Let's make it a little more accessible monetarily and a little bit better built. But TBR, yeah. <laughs> well, there is that. We've got, uh, you know, there is software and we've discussed things. Revamp the brand. There revitalize yeah. things. Come on. I'd love it if TBR were in the States. Guys, thank you a million for writing your questions. We really appreciate it. And we're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers. Let me tell you about Pete, who loved hockey and always wanted to play in the NHL. Pete played since he was three and begged his mom to let him stay on the ice. Why, some nights he even slept in his hockey skates. Pete practiced and practiced until one day. When he was 47, Pete realized he just wasn't that good. So he threw his skates in the trash. But then he heard how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch. So it all worked out. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.